What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode number 41 here in the Proven Knowledge Podcast. This is the Creator Series. Today, I welcomed Camden Bench, who is a Kansas City native. He currently lives in L.A. Camden is a producer, guitarist, drummer, uh, incredible talent to me. Uh, I discovered his music through an R&B artist named Aaron Ray, who is from Cincinnati. You guys should look up his music because he's got some great stuff. Camden's produced a lot for Aaron. He's produced for Rico Nasty. He produced on Juice World's final album while he was alive still called Death Race for Love, um, which is a great project. You should check that out as well if you haven't. Uh, I kind of just, you know, went through Camden's kind of background over the last five or six years since he's been um, kind of a well-known name in the industry. He went to Berkeley University before moving out to L.A. and where he learned music. Uh, He says, you know, he wishes he would have started a little earlier especially in production which i can relate to Uh, and we talked about that in the episode he also discussed his plans to uh, start executive producing full-on albums for artists with it which i thought personally was an amazing idea since you know we're kind of moving into this era of streaming where a lot of people are doing more eps and just singles and songs are getting shorter but i think it's also good to not lose the fact that a lot of people came up on you know full-on albums and we all remember some of our favorite albums of all time you know no one really always talks about our favorite eps and things like that you talk about your favorite albums because albums tell a real story so i wish camden you know the best of luck on that and everything he has moving forward i know he's working with aaron on his next album which should be out in the next few months because i've seen him tease that on social media and everything Uh, but yeah uh this was a really nice episode as always and let's get right into it Welcome, everyone, to episode number 41 here on the Proven Knowledge Podcast. This is the Creator Series. Today, we got a really dope producer, a guitarist. He's worked with Rico Nasty, Juice World, Aaron Ray, a lot of others. Camden Bench is here. How are you, man? Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I know it's been a few dozen months. I think it was like July that we first connected, but uh, glad to finally get you on the show. So basically, to just start every episode off, you know, we have the guests give a little bit of background, maybe people that don't know you, just kind of how did you get into music, uh, a little bit of the backstory on that whole deal. Yeah, I, I've been playing music for a long time. Um, I started out, you know, in like school band in fifth, sixth grade. I was playing like drums and percussion, and I did that all through school, all through high school, and I started playing guitar um, probably when I was like 12 or 13, and that kind of became the thing that I was really into. And so, you know, I, I would, you know, was just obsessed with it and, uh, ended up applying for music colleges and stuff. And so I ended up going to Berkeley out in Boston, did that for three years and, uh, you know, moved out to LA and tried to start producing. And that's kind of what I've been doing ever since. Mm. Yeah. I didn't know about the drum background. So that's kind of interesting. Cause I read, <laughs> I read about, you know, you doing guitar and everything. And I saw some like photos on your social media and everything. So that's pretty cool. So you'd say you've probably known for a long time that music was kind of your thing then i'd say yeah i was i was always really into it um i was i was a a, definitely a sports guy for most of my childhood Mm -hmm. and then when i kind of discovered music i i really enjoyed the grind of getting better at music more so than sports i'm not sure why but i really enjoyed like when i first started playing guitar i was um practicing like in the summer I was practicing eight to ten hours a day and just obsessed with it mm. so you know it kind of as it 
as a young kid, I got, you know, really lost in it and kind of have just been trying to do that ever since, you know, so obviously I don't have time for 10 hour practice sessions anymore, but you know, (laughs) yeah, that's super, that's super dope though. So I'm curious, uh, you know, the last year has been pretty crazy for a lot of people. A lot of the circumstances have changed as far as like where people are working, how they're working. So I'm curious, have you been doing more like home, like zoom sessions like this with people? Are you in the studio still? Like what's that been looking like for you? I've kind of like completely changed the way that I work. Um, partially, because I mean, I still do sessions with people that I know, like people that I'm close with and I trust that are, you know, like doing what they're supposed to be doing right now and not, you know, going out and partying and all that. But what I started focusing on when um, the COVID situation started was making loops and because I can do that at home and I don't need to be around people to do it. And so um, I started making loops a lot and sending them out to some of my uh, producer friends and um, it really kind of worked out kind of fast. Like I started realizing that doing this and sending that out, sending it out to, um, some more well-established producer friends that I know, like it's a really quick and easy way to get placements and, um, just like, yeah, just kind of stay active. Cause you know, I'm a musician first producer second. So making loops is kind of like, it was the obvious thing that I just was kind of overlooking for a long time. So since COVID started, that's kind of what I was focusing on. I know for a lot of people that play an instrument too, I'd say it's a lot easier because you can lay down just basic ideas and like a producer could take that and kind of build around that, build a whole track around it. And then you end up getting credited and things like that. And like yeah. you said, it's like almost like a new way of doing things. So I think a lot of people are getting away from the samples a little bit more and they're kind of just finding people that can kind of do that for them or kind of collaborate. So I think it's like such a great way of doing things. And even I've like, started working with different people on sending like ideas back and forth and we kind of just build things up from there. So I, I always think that's such a cool thing. Um, so let's stick kind of with, you know, the situation of the last year or so. I know a few years ago you were on tour with Aaron Ray, uh, you were his guitarist and everything. What do you think you miss most about the atmosphere of like being on stage in front of people and things like that? Um, it, it just, the, the energy is awesome. You know, like we, when I first started touring with Aaron, like when I first met him, um, we went on tour with her for uh, a couple of months, I think. And every, you know, it, because it was her tour and Aaron was a brand new artist, there was no pressure for us because nobody was there to see Aaron yet. But, you know, every show was sold out. And by the end of each show, it was really cool to see his growth and everything. And um, obviously getting to play sold out shows in these amazing arenas, or not arenas, amazing um venues was really sick and um i don't know traveling is fun you know being somewhere every day it's exciting and it's tiring definitely but um and it's never boring you know what i mean Hmm. you're always you're always moving so i mean that that, that's kind of fun you know in the moment you don't really miss it because it can kind of suck because you know you're like again always moving always traveling you're going a couple days without sleeping in a bed like but um, when you look back on it in hindsight, it's all good memories and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it's just so crazy. Cause like, I've heard so many people kind of say like, they didn't know what they had until it was gone. You know what I mean? Like you never would have thought that something like that, that's just a normal occurrence. Like you go to shows, you meet new people, you watch your favorite artists. Like you never would have thought that that would just be gone like that. And like even moving. Yeah. And I, yeah, and I would say like, um, 
touring is really hard, but what makes it tolerable and easier is doing it like with your friends. Mm -hmm. And so since the people I was on tour with were like real life friends, um, when it would get stressful, it was always okay because you had people that you actually enjoyed being around. I know a lot of people who tour for a living. They're not, it's not always a situation you're in. Mm -hmm. You're just like a hired gun and you, you go out and you're touring with people you don't know. And that can be, I'm sure that's difficult, but I, I was always lucky to be, around people that I really liked and so it made it fun you mm. know what I mean even when it wasn't fun because mm. you guys had so, that, yeah. you guys had like the chemistry you're basically just on the road with your friends no matter what like even if you weren't doing music it's just a good time so yeah and it worked out it worked out super naturally like uh going on tour with Aaron and stuff because him and I and his entire team uh kind of developed a good relationship and then so then when it came time to get off the road and like make music it was easy because it just felt like you're making music with your friends. It didn't feel like you were pulling up to a random session with a stranger or all that. Like it, it was easier. Mm. Um, so like the touring kind of set up the work, like the the music that we ended up making, and it just made it really easy. Mm. So way more yeah. organic, probably, to do it that way. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Super dope. So from what I've heard from like your production, I'd say you channel a lot of emotional like progressions and everything in there so i'm curious to know who are your biggest inspirations as far as like who kind of influenced you the most to kind of pick the style you have and just kind of who have you always listened to that really made you say i kind of want to make music in my own way uh kind of like them yeah i mean i i kind of raised myself on r&b music and just really uh emotional uh, styles of musicality and um i've always just been a fan of um just chords and uh focusing on harmony more so than rhythm or anything like you know because a lot of producers you know love to do, to do the drums and um do all that stuff which is awesome but for me if a song is really really good it's got like a great chord progression that is feels natural and flow. So I mean, right now the people who I really look up to are producers like D Mile. I think he's incredible. Mm -hmm. All all the R and B stuff he does with like Lucky Day is just unbelievable to me. Um, there's a lot of people, man. But it's yeah, that's that's kind of what I've been working towards is being somebody who can be a a beat maker, but also somebody who can. Uh, be like a real record producer who can um, put together a song and get other people who play different instruments together and do like what the producers used to do back in the day before mm -hmm. we were making beats. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, yeah, that's, that's the inspiration for me is just trying to do both, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So who, who would you say either someone that you've done a record with, or maybe you haven't yet, who do you, who would you say you want to work with one day uh, on something like, similar to that or maybe something you've you've had in mind that you want to kind of get a record with or someone yeah i mean are you talking about like producers or artists it could be either one well with producers i would say um you know it's hard because a lot of my favorite producers are do kind of what i do but just better and so i don't think i you know sometimes you would you want to work with people because you like their music but mm -hmm. you know it probably wouldn't work because you kind of do the same thing you know like when you collaborate with people you want to do you want to compliment each other's um styles and skill sets and stuff and kind of offset each other mm -hmm. so i think um i work with uh 
someone named Chris from a production group called The Rascals quite a bit. And The Rascals, they they're amazing. They've worked on all kinds of stuff. They work with you know Ariana Grande and Kehlani and all these great artists and stuff. And the way Chris and I work is really good. It's kind of like that where you know I'll play a lot of the instruments and then he's an amazing uh, vocal producer. So if we're working like we've we've done a bunch of stuff with Aaron. So um, when we work, it always starts out like I'm, I'll create like the chords um, on guitar or something and then kind of build out the beat and then he'll kind of flesh it out and make it make sense. And then when we record, he's just really good at helping whoever's recording vocals to just kind of do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really admire that. I like working with people who are good at vocal producing because that's like a really hard thing to me. It's It doesn't seem hard because you know, it's like, uh, it's, it's more of like a psychological thing. You have to be able to help the singer kind of bring the performance out of themselves. You can't make them sing better. Mm-hmm. You can, you have to find a way to help them sing more like themselves. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty tough to me. So yeah, working with somebody like him, um, anytime I work with him, I feel like we make good stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's the, uh, that's the group that has Leon Thomas in it too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm familiar. So, say again? I'm familiar with, uh, with them then. I, that's who I thought you were talking about. So yeah. I'll just make so, sure. so, um, we did Aaron's, one of Aaron's singles reckless together, me, Chris and Tom, uh, Leon. And then we did, uh, change, which was the one with Kehlani. And we did, um, quite a few records together with me, the rascals and Aaron. And, so, I mean, yeah, working with them is great because they kind of have their own little pocket. And then me being there kind of, I think, shakes it up a little bit. Um, and it's, it's just fun to be able to, like, work with those guys because it always feels, like, pretty natural, you know? Mm-hmm. I, it's funny because Aaron's from Cincinnati, and I think I knew that before, like, probably a couple years ago when, like, Platinum Fire came out and everyone was talking about the album, and I didn't, like, dig too much into it. But the, I think it was like two years ago, I actually dug into his music and I was just like, man, this sound is just like very fresh. Like he's trying to bring something new to it. So I was always like trying to figure out who, you know, was like behind the sound. And I found your name because you produced on uh, Phases 2. You said Change. And I think, uh, what was the other one? You did another one on there that I really liked. Another song. Uh, I think. Yeah, that one. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. I was like, man, this is like some really dope shit because i know like r&b especially to me at least is taking is having like a renaissance period you know what i mean like it's kind of coming back with a lot of great artists and there's a lot of people trying new things and everything so i'm always like fishing for you know inspiration for myself and so i always thought that like you know what aaron and you guys have been developing is very awesome so i'm, I'm looking forward to like seeing what his next album is going to be i know you probably got some stuff in the works on that um yeah but yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, all that and what the Rascals can come up with too. Because I always see um, Leon on social media, you know, in different sessions and things like that. So uh, that's that's something I'm looking forward to. Um, so as far as you know, I think I read that you've been in the, you've kind of been producing for the past five or six years now, um, in and out with different people. What do you think is the best business advice you've been given as far as like? maintaining a music career by anybody specifically that you've kind of taken to heart and been able to apply uh, every day in the industry? Um, a couple things. The first one would be to get, to get a team whenever you can. 
like if you can get a manager that's great but i think you have to have a good lawyer like you have to and having a business manager helps as well like um it it helps tremendously because you know having those people um you you really only have to worry about the things that are in your control which is making music so everything else like getting your checks on time paying taxes uh getting your commissions right and everything you're you know you have somebody that takes care of that you have somebody who negotiates your contracts for you you have you have and and you know everybody like we all make money doing it so you know everybody wins at the end of the day but it helps the producers so much because when i first started and i like the first placements i got i didn't have a lawyer i didn't have a manager and i had no idea what i was doing i didn't like lose anything but i definitely didn't probably get what i owed was owed because i didn't have somebody looking out for me mm-hmm. um i think producers creative people a lot of the times are not the best business minds um and that's that's fine like that's completely okay like but you you have to find the people who do have um that skill set who can look out for you and the other part that i would say is um like you you gotta bet on yourself like um because you know a lot of people sign their publishing deals too early and they get into bad deals and they get stuck they get stuck for a long time and you oh yeah you lose money you might lose opportunities a lot of stuff comes with that and that's like that's like the big decision you make as a producer at some point in your career is you know doing your first publishing deal and so i think the longer everybody told me aaron told me when i first came up like just wait don't don't sign a deal until it's either life-changing money or life-changing opportunity and so you know i'm still independent and just kind of you want to just kind of build up your catalog and build up your reputation before you sign a deal otherwise um you know you're kind of just robbing yourself Mm -hmm. because if you you want to build up some hype like if you think about artists like the bidding war artists those guys are going to get great deals because they have leverage you know what i mean but Mm -hmm. the artists who are like on the on like up and coming who get like one label offer and then they sign the first one you know your first offer is never going to be the right one more than likely Mm -hmm. so having having that amount of interest where you can kind of um, almost like price match. You know, if you want to buy a TV and out Best Buy, but Walmart has it cheaper, you can like have them match the price. Mm-hmm. Kind of the same thing. It's like, well, this this publisher is offering me this much. Like, what are you guys offering? You know what I mean? So, you know, doing the pub deal is like a big deal, and so being able to wait as long as you can and find ways to get by financially until then is like huge. So yeah, that's what I would say is have a good team and then, um, you know, wait as long as you can before doing a deal. Mm-hmm. That that kind of goes back to what I mentioned in a lot of these episodes. It's kind of just being patient, you know what I mean? Like, I think people are so quick to jump at the first, like, thing that they're offered, like you said, because it's just like you feel like you've been working so hard every single day for however many years, and you're just like, oh, well, I have to do this because it might not come again. But, like, I think it's just about if you know you got the work ethic and you know – what your plan is you shouldn't just jump at it just to jump at it if it's not the right situation for you you know what i mean it has to yeah. fit what it has to align with what your path is looking like for your career so yeah i think that's just it was kind of ex- 
it was explained to me one time in a really good way in that um, doing a deal is like getting married to somebody. You know, you don't want to you don't want to propose to somebody before dating them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you want to spend a lot of time getting to know them, understanding their uh, quirks, looking for red flags, making sure this is the right match before you commit mm-hmm. to it. Because once you commit to it, you can't go back until it's over. So it's 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 not even about like the money or the term or any of the i mean it's partially that but it's also like who are you signing to are these people really interested in your career flourishing under them or do they just want your catalog because that's that's what's happening a lot right now too is people are publishers are like signing people's catalogs more so than the the writer or Mm. you know producer so it's like you you want to make sure if you're signing to somebody that they're going to look out for your publishing as well as new opportunities and, you know, help you, uh, make everybody more money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a balance, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's all about just finding the right, the right thing. So. Absolutely. So I know, I know we said, you know, you're out in LA now, you were from Kansas city. So I'm kind of curious. Uh, I've had multiple people that, you know, kind of located LA just to, for work and stuff. So I'm curious for you, what was the motivation to kind of do that? Was it strictly for connections and things like that? Or was there another reason? Um, I think I kind of just realized that if I wanted to have a career in music is kind of the only place you can be. Um, at least in the beginning. Um, I, when I was in, cause I was at Berkeley and my last year there, I, I knew that I wanted to move somewhere to get started in music as a producer. And I was kind of between, Atlanta and LA because at the time I was I was mostly doing like more rap production and so I figured Atlanta might be like a more appropriate place to be but um it's funny it was just like a, a weird string of events that kind of led me to go to LA I really wanted to go to Atlanta and so Berkeley had this like spring break trip where they would take a certain amount of students to different cities so they can go see what the culture is like for it's basically meant to introduce people to cities who might be wanting to move there after college. And they had a trip to Atlanta and I had applied and everything and they make you go through meetings. And it's really crazy because they only take like 15 to 20 students, I think. Um, and I went through the whole thing and I got denied. They're like, no, we're not going to take you. Cause I think it was because of like my GPA or something. Um, and because of that, I never got to go to Atlanta to see it. So then by the time it was time for me to move out, I was like, well, I guess I have to go to LA because like, that's, I know that I can go there. So that's why I ended up coming out here and it, you know, it definitely worked out, but I kind of just knew that this is where all of the industry is located for the most part. This is where most of the artists and producers and writers are located. Um, and so it's just kind of the path of least resistance. You can make a music career happen anywhere. It's just a lot harder if you're not in person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like we so. said before, uh, I hit record. We were talking about the snow. We were like, you know, I'd rather be where you're at right now without the miss me with that snow and that cold weather for real. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's always uh, it's always interesting to kind of get people's perspective and their story and everything, uh, just as far as like how they've ended up, you know, where they're at now. Um, so 10 years ago, Camden, if you could go back 10 years and maybe give yourself advice, maybe not change anything at all, what do you think you'd do? Um, I, I would have started trying to like 
with DAWs, like trying to produce. Because I didn't, I the first time I touched a, a DAW was at Berkeley, and so I was very much a late, like a late bloomer, so to speak. Like I was a good musician. Like all I was interested in doing was playing guitar. And so I guess if I would have realized that because of where the industry is at, like where the stylings of music is at right now, being able to play an instrument is important, but it's a hard way to make a living just playing an instrument. Mm -hmm. So I would probably try and get myself interested in production a lot earlier so I could be better at it. Um, Because, you know, most of the people who I work with as producers have been doing it for a long time. And I've really only been producing for like four or five years. Um, Like when I moved to LA, my experience was less than a year of like making beats and stuff. So I was very much new and trying to figure it out. So yeah, if I would have had a little bit more time to get to know Ableton and get to know Pro Tools and stuff, it would have been easier. Because you know, there's a, there's a couple of opportunities that I had early, early on being out here that I just wasn't ready for, where I was put in rooms with some pretty incredible people and I just wasn't able to capitalize on it because I just wasn't there yet. I wasn't ready. Sometimes you get invited to rooms that you might not deserve sometimes because people really look out for you and want to see you win. Mm -hmm. And it it really just kind of comes down to like, are you prepared to capitalize on it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if I would have been more prepared and understand kind of what the vibe was, I kind of probably would have been able to leverage those opportunities better. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with you there on the late bloomer thing because I didn't start till I was 19 and like out of high school like I was kind of on the fence for like three years like oh should I try this I'm probably going to be terrible at it this this and this and like part of me thinks I should have started in like high school at least to give myself like the few years to learn it and everything but I guess what I always like attested back to is just it, everything happens in the right timing you know what I mean even if we don't quite understand it like for you even though you started late you've had a lot of you know, success, even despite that fact, just because, you know, you have the skill and you have the uh, networking abilities you've been able to develop. So, I mean, to me, it's just timing for everything and, um, you know, to each their own, but that's always pretty interesting stuff. So 10 years from now, let's say, where do you think you want to be in your career and your life overall? I think I'd want to be at a place where, um, artists come to you to do their whole album you know there's a couple artists that i work with now who i kind of have that relationship with and it's just so much better in every way to be able to like executive produce an album and kind of be um be more just be more involved because i think when you work with artists a lot of time out here and you're just like trying to get placements um it's weird. Like it feels like you're working for them and not with them, which is just like a, not a good vibe to have. Like when you're trying to make music and stuff, you want to feel like you're collaborating and not working for this person. Cause ultimately like they can't make the song without you and you can't make the song without them. So, you know, you both need each other. So it should feel more collaborative, but a lot of times it just doesn't. So I think being able to have a rapport with different artists where they just come to you and they say, I want you to do my whole project. Um, that's a lot of fun because you just get, you get like ultimate freedom. They trust you to kind of make decisions for them a little bit. And, um, you can really kind of create the world you want to create and just make it right for them. Mm. Um, which that's like all of my favorite artists, albums, album rollouts have all felt like it, like they've all felt like they 
existed in their own universe. Like when you are in this album, when you listen to it, it takes you away and um, takes you away to do a very specific place. And I don't think albums really do that anymore. And I think they can, but people just have to get back to making albums over making just like a compilation of singles Mm -hmm. or 12 songs. You know what I mean? So I think being able to try and bring back concept albums, that would be like amazing because I miss them so Mm -hmm. much. (laughs) I no. feel you there because like the streaming era kind of just has thrown things in such a weird direction with like people are doing more singles and EPs and like the album it seems is becoming maybe not a lost art but definitely like something that not a lot of people are doing nowadays and it's kind of like that's what a lot of us came up on is like the albums and like the full like getting immersed like you said in the story that someone created throughout like 10 to 12 songs so I don't know. I, I, I really like that perspective, and I, I wish you luck on that because I think that we need more people like you that kind of see it that way instead of just like, how can we run these numbers? How can we do this? How can we you know maintain the people's short attention spans and things like that? I think it's like there's still like real music lovers out there that want that sort of material. You know what I mean? So yeah and I, I think if you do it right you can you can get people you can get everybody who still has short attention spans interested like mm-hmm. it, it's almost counterintuitive the way that it's sort of going right now where you have these albums that are 25 songs and the reason that they're so long is literally just so the songs get streamed more and thus get like certified gold platinum quicker mm-hmm. and then, which looks good but ultimately doesn't mean anything like I always talk about that with my friends. He's like, you know, people in the industry put so much emphasis on charting and things getting certified and all of that. When in reality, the people who we make the music for don't care about any of that stuff at all. Like, it doesn't mean anything to them. It doesn't change their life at all. And so I think trying to remember that and not make music for commercial success, but make it for, like, like just make it for the right reasons people people can always every people can always sniff out when you're just trying to make money mm-hmm. off of a music career like everybody even people who don't make music know like it's, it's just obvious so being able to find the people who really just want to make good stuff and let other people hear it and you know put it out the right way like that's super rare but if you can find it it definitely still exists right now it's just it's just not the a common theme mm-hmm. so mm. well very very well said so um, I know you probably can't reveal a ton about what you're working on, what projects you have coming up, but if you can reveal anything, what do you think we can expect in the coming months and maybe the rest of the year? Uh, it's hard to say because of COVID. Obviously, people are um, sort of uh, delaying releases and stuff, but um, obviously we've been working with Aaron Ray a lot. Um, I've been working with this artist, named Cade who I really like he's he kind of came up doing like EDM remixes and stuff he's an artist and so he had a lot of success doing that and he kind of accidentally became like an EDM type of guy but I think he really wants to be more in like the R&B pop kind of range so I got linked with him through his label and I've kind of been doing what I was saying where I'm just kind of helping him put together an album in a way where he really trusts me and so I can kind of make creative decisions and um, so it's super collaborative so that I'm really excited about that um, 
have some like bigger some you know some bigger artists that have you know some stuff coming um what else yeah just all kinds of stuff man um i think some of it's gonna start coming out pretty soon hopefully so yeah Hmm. all kinds of stuff well i'll be on the lookout for sure with that so uh i want to thank you again man camden that's all i have for you today man Uh, thank you for your time and everything and i appreciate you getting back with me about being on the show you know hopefully we could do this again someday you know once these barriers get lifted with quarantine and covid and whatnot who knows when that's going to be but you know i'm wishing you the best of luck bro all right man thank you thanks for having me thank you everyone for listening today that was episode number 41 if you want to support feel free to hit that support button on your podcast streaming platform to send any funds until next week we'll see you then thank you very much